1: Underway.
3: And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and it's been a minute, but we are back. And I got my guided Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation Stucky here. I got my guy Sean Kerner here. We are gonna talk some AFC win totals on this pod. We'll go with the AFC East and the AFC North. Fellas. How y'all doing, man? It's good to be back together.
1: I'm excited to, to get back with you, Revan. It's, it's, the grind is officially here. I love the preparation part of it. You know, it's such a fascinating league. You have 32 teams approaching this in, you know, 32 different ways and trying to crack who's going to make a jump this year and who's going to take a step back. It's just always a fascinating process. Uh, so I always enjoy it before we actually get into the grind. So I'm excited to uh, kick things off here.
3: Oh yeah. I think Sean, you are the you probably have the most sleep out of the three of us on this pod because I know Stucky's going on like 40 hours and uh I'm somewhere in the 24 range. I definitely haven't slept last night. So uh how do you feel?
2: Uh, I don't know about the whole sleep thing. I I am running all of our DFS preseason projections. So <laughs> that's uh, that's a whole other full-time job, but happy to be on with Stucky. I, I feel like I'm usually listening to you guys in season, so it's always fun being on with Stuck and looking forward to talking uh, AFC win totals.
3: Oh, yeah. And uh, for all you guys out there, me and Stuck aren't going anywhere. We'll be doing the same show every Thursday with our Sunday six pack and all that good stuff. So uh just going to start getting the palate wet, talking some win totals. We'll have episodes on every division. We'll go two at a time. Let's start with the AFC East. I'll jump right in. Stucky. I'm going to start with the best team in the AFC East last year, the, one of the best teams in the AFC uh, depending on which metric you look at and that's the Buffalo Bills.
1: Buffalo Bills. The Bills make me wanna. Jump! Kick your heels up and jump! Throw your hands up and jump! throw your head back and come on now the Bills are making it happen. Now.
3: When you see Josh Allen make that kind of jump, you see the team perform as good as they did pretty much almost got to the super bowl. I mean, they came within maybe a bad half of going to the super bowl. Uh, Do you think regression first with this Buffalo team or is this a team that you think is going to continue to play uh, at the top of your class?
1: On the surface, when this is a team that I normally would say, you know, there's maybe some regression coming after how much of a jump Josh Allen has made in each of the past two seasons. But from everything I've seen, I, I think it continues. And I, you know, there's other reasons why, I love this staff. It's one of the smartest staffs, I think, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. A lot of continuity there as well. But just, you know, their their use of motion, four wide receiver sets, play action, just everything that they do is smart on both ends. And you can you can look over the past two seasons after the bye week. I mean, they put Dable up in the box two years ago. Last year, their defensive adjustments were amazing. They changed some of the alignments of the linebackers, and their defense went whoop, and their offensive line really gelled in the second half of the season. This year, their bye week is week seven. So I expect a similar, okay, let's tweak this and, a, and an upswing in the second half again. You know, you get Star Lutelli back, and, and I think that's huge because he can really eat as that one technique. He can move Ed Oliver over. They address some of their, you know, they had a lack of edge rush. I know Jerry Hughes is still productive, but they, they needed some more some more juice, and I'm a big fan of Rose Stone. I, I think they're deeper there. So guys like Jerry Hughes are going to not have to play as many snaps. You know, I, I I know their safeties are getting older, but you have a number one corner in his prime. All of those weapons. I, there's just so much to like about this staff, and Josh Allen's progression. I mean, he's proved everyone wrong. I, I think that this team is on the upswing. They're a legit Super Bowl contender. It's one of the few teams actually show value in their over. Uh, but there's you know there's a lot of uncertainty in this in this division, which we'll get to. You know, quarterback uncertainty. So I don't really love betting the win total. I took a shot with them. I found a 14 to one to win the Super Bowl. I think anything 12 to one or over. Um, I think the Bills are going to be a player. I think they're going to there's coaches that's going to learn a lot from what they did in the playoffs. I think for as smart as they are, they kind of got a little gun shy against the Chiefs. They, you know, but that's a big learning experience. I think they're going to be right there when it's all said and done.
3: So Sean, where are you on this 11 and a half for Buffalo? At BetMGM, it's juiced minus 145 to the under.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm projecting them right around 11 and a half games. I think 11 and a half is a coin flip. So I do see some value on the over here at um, plus 120. Um, Stucky mentioned it, but I don't expect too much regression from Josh Allen this year because because of the continuity, they were able to keep Brian Dable. I think their deep playoff run kind of Help them retain him. I know the Chargers wanted to potentially sign him as a head coach, but he's he's still there this year. I think that's huge for Josh Allen. I think Dable really put him in a position to succeed last year. They uh, had the second highest early down pass rate in game neutral situations. Josh Allen had the most play action dropbacks last year. I think that was huge for his uh, year three breakout. I mean, obviously Stefan Diggs. You know, he has four quality wide receivers right now, um, and they play the second most four wide formation. So I think that. All those elements are still there. So that's why I don't see much of a drop off for Allen this year. You know, when it comes to their 13 and three record last year, if you look at their uh, plus minus differential Pythagorean win expectations, it was around 10 and a half. So it looks like they may have gotten a little bit lucky, but I like looking at um, percentage of game time, leading tied, and trailing. And if you look at that, those splits, they actually played like a 13.1. Win team, so I think maybe if they they got off to an early lead, they kind of let teams come back. So this this team played a little bit better than the 13-3 record last year. I love getting them over uh, 11 and a half. Like we'll talk about the rest of the division; it, it could be getting stronger. But I still think the Bills are the cream of the crop when it comes to this division.
1: Yeah, I, I'd also add this is a team that won its division, that made a run in the in the playoffs, won its division this year. I have them based on my power ratings with the. Second easiest schedule yep. in the NFL. So, you know, you're, usually you have, you'll have a tougher schedule this year. That's not the case. And, I mean, Josh Allen, two of the criticisms going into last year against man, defenses against pressure, from an EPA per play perspective, he went from 27th to 4th against man, from 25th to 5th uh, against f- four or more pre- guys rushing. So all of his numbers across the board improved. I think it's sustainable. You know, you lose John Brown, but you add Emmanuel Sanders – there's weapons everywhere. And Dable's just a brilliant play caller. This is a smart scheming staff. A lot of continuity. There's a lot to like about the Buffalo Bills.
3: Yes, Doug, I was just going to bring up that schedule because I think we're late enough into the, you know, the preseason at least, where you start to look at the schedule and you know things could happen. There could be injuries down the stretch, but you still got to look at the schedule and say, Wow, this is not really that daunting at all. I mean, you got Pittsburgh, Miami, Washington, Houston. KC will be a tough one in Tennessee, both on the road, but then Miami, Jacksonville, Jets, Indy, Saints, Patriots, Bucks. That's a tough one. Panthers, Patriots, and Falcons and Jets. So, like, really, you have those games against the two Super Bowl teams, a game in Tennessee. And outside of those three, I mean, there's 13 very winnable games. You're not going to see like a complete drop off unless, you know, barring injury to Josh Allen or something like
1: that. Let's not talk about Mitch. <laughs> um, that is my nightmare with my Super Bowl future. AFC divisional round. I, all Allen goes out and Mitch Bortles comes in.
0: You've just been Bortled.
1: But yeah, and another, another way to look at the Bills is if you look at the after they're their interior offensive line and their defense was a mess the first mm-hmm. half of the year. All they fixed all of that. Uh, and there were still injuries on the defensive side of the ball with Milano, who's now healthy. You know, the starting nose tackle was didn't play last year, so yeah, I'm I'm high on the Bills.
3: So as we continue our AFC win totals podcast, sponsored by BetMGM, let's go to an up and coming team, I think, in this division, and that is the Miami Dolphins.
0: Miami Dolphins
3: at BetMGM, their win total nine and a half. The overjuice to minus 140. Sean, I'll start with you this time. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking on Miami uh, coming into year two with Tua Loa?
2: Whether they go over this nine and a half win total all depends on Tua improving in year two. You know, I, I like to look at various metrics for quarterbacks. Um, and Tua, he finished right around like 29th to 32nd um, for most of them out of 43 quarterbacks that qualified last year. Uh, which was not great. But if you compare them to, to rookies um, ever since tw- uh, 2010, he was actually above average, you know, finishing anywhere from 13th to 18th in these metrics I like to look at. Um, so, you know, there is some hope there. Um, and I think we can forgive him for various things for 2020. You know, he, he was coming off that major hip injury. They didn't really have much of an off season, which could be tougher for a rookie. Uh, it's possible the, the offense under Changeli was tailored more towards Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so throwing Tua out there midseason was not great. You know, they added Will Fuller, Jalen Walla. We love those guys for fantasy. If Tua doesn't have a year-two leap, um, then it's a major concern. So I think if, if you're expecting a year-two leap, go with the over here. Uh, I think this total is a bit high. They do have the easiest strength of schedule um, according to my power ratings. So that's probably why it is a bit higher, but I still lean on the under here. You know, I, I need to see it from Tua first and this offensive line uh, mm-hmm. is a major question mark. Um, so <laughs> I was waiting. You know, I was waiting for you to, to mention yeah, that. <laughs> so, you know, a guy like Tua, um, uh, some of the reports at camp, he's, he hasn't been great under pressure. Uh, we'll see, but this offensive line could be an issue. And plus they're coming off a season where they had a plus nine turnover differential. Obviously, you know, you expect them to be a little bit better in that department with, you know, arguably the best quarterback doing the league. They play a ton of man coverage, but still it's going to be harder to repeat that plus nine differential uh, this year. So they could take a step back. So that's why I'm leaning towards the under here.
1: I love the under here. Uh, I think you would know about, I'm just not, I'm not buying into Tui yet. I think he's going to be great. He has all the tools I don't think he's there yet. And this is, as Sean said, this is, you know, last year was a COVID year and he was coming off surgery, right? And he was rotating in and out uh, of the lineup with Fitzpatrick, checking down way too much, just not looking comfortable. Part of that is the offensive line. So they got these weapons that can stretch the field. Is he even going to have enough time? Is he actually going to throw downfield? He has 5.3 air yards per completion, just a lot of check downs and timid throws. So I think that they're a year away. You know, this young offensive line, which was just rookies all over and, and young kids, I think, you know, after this year, Tua gets a full year as a starter. I think next year is the year. Uh, and the defense benefited, as as, Corner, as Kerner said, just a, a ton of turnover luck. They, they caused a turnover on 16% of opponents' drives, which led the NFL. Elite special teams, I'm not sure if they can repeat that. They do have an easy schedule, and every team in this division does get nine home games. And – Miami does get a one of their road games in London. But one of the things to keep in mind is if you expect Tua to get better as the year goes on, they don't have a bye to week 14. And it's a pretty exhausting early season schedule. You're going to New England, then home against Buffalo, then out to Vegas, then back home for the Colts, then, you know, at Tampa. Then you're heading over to London, back to Atlanta. So, and then you don't have a bye to week 14. So I also don't know what, what the – philosophy will be on offense i know they got rid of chan and a lot of people like that but they have two offensive coordinators one was a a run game coordinator and one was a ex-tight ends coach i don't and charlie fry is apparently the one that's talking to 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 so i don't know what the philosophy is or if there's going to be you know some kind of butting of heads there but and the defense i think fortunate Uh, they lost some pieces that i think are important including van noy I don't think they'll be as good, and they do struggle against the run. And you know, if you look at some of the metrics, they were about an average defense. You know, yards per drive, about average, but turnovers just really helped them out. I don't think they get that same luck. Fitzpatrick, you know, Fitzpatrick to bail you out this year. (laughs) That's true. And and you want to add, you want to add another lucky thing, Fitzpatrick last year, and we'll get to Washington, number one in the NFL under pressure. Fits magic. Fits magic. magic. That's usually my home stat. So, I mean, they, just some of the throws. They, Miami was a very fortunate team last year. I know they're well coached. So I love Flores. They're headed in the right direction. I just think they're a year away. I think they struggle to get to nine wins. I, I like this under. I make it like eight, six, eight, seven. So, I like uh, under nine and a half.
3: Yeah, Tua Tunga uh PFF passer rating under pressure. 39.5, that's 34th in the league. If When he throws a touchdown uh, against pressure this year, it'll be his first uh, of his career. So that concerns me with the offensive line because I think you're projecting uh, a year, uh, like a big leap for for Jackson and, and, and Davis to really be formidable tackles on the outside. I think you still have question marks at center. There's really nowhere on the line that you feel great about so that's one thing I think when you're kind of going back and forth on these win totals, because I certainly think Miami has a lot of upside. I just don't know maybe if win a win total is the right bet for them. I think, you know, betting them to do something like make the playoffs or, you know, even like a, a long shot division winner might be better because I think they have upside. But I just don't know if I trust like the median projection for teams with O-line struggles. It's the same reason I'm, you know, we'll talk about it in another pod, but I'm not in on the Giants or anyone like that. Like, it's just when a team has an O-line issue, it's the thing that I feel like never gets properly accounted for in a lot of projections and in a lot of the market. So um, yeah, Miami's not not one that I'm touching for the over, but I do think the team is going in the right direction.
1: New England
3: Patriots.
1: Look, fellas, I am sick of this shit. okay? I can't stand much more of this. It's a joke. It's a joke.
3: Tom Brady goes, wins a Super Bowl with another team. They get left with Cam Newton, but now they got Mac Jones.
1: And don't be talking to them because they don't know anything about quarterback. You understand? Stuck. The
3: Patriots are also at nine and a half. But unlike Miami, the Patriots' win total is actually juiced to the under at minus 115. So slight juice. Uh, any like, What are your thoughts on, on New England at nine and a half?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating team, and it's one of these COVID situations where it's unprecedented. They're getting a lot of players back, you know, that opted out that you see throughout the NFL. They went on a shopping spree. Dollar Bill went out. Usually, they build through the draft. They've been awful in the draft for the last five plus years. They went out and just spent money. Who would they bring in? John who? John Smith? Henry, Brown, Aguilar. I mean, it goes on and on. Judon. Judon, Van Noy, you know, Mills. I mean, they went on a spending spree. You you could have expected. I mean, they were bad last year. The defense was bad. The offense was bad. But they lost Brady. They had, you know, a number of opt-outs on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a tough team to crack because of all these new pieces. You know, Belichick will have them together as much as any coach can. But I think it really all comes down to three – Three positions, right? Stephon Gilmore, unhappy. He's, you know, getting older. He's getting to that age where a corner, hmm, drop off. So if he can remain elite, because I think J.C. Jackson's actually one of the most overrated corners in the NFL. Gets a ton of picks, very fortunate. But, I mean, this is a guy last year gave up, I think, four touchdowns in four games as a number one corner. Gilmore gave up four in the last 37 before that. So I, I don't, if Gilmore can stay elite and play – if Brown at that right, you know, that right tackle position is motivated back in the England, that offensive line is going to be great. They're going to be able to run the ball. They have great tight ends now. So it all comes back to the quarterback position. If you believe that, well, number one, if you believe that Mac Jones is going to end up starting and you're a big Mac Jones buyer, I'm not for year one then you would obviously buy this Patriots team. The defense will be good. They upgraded the front seven. The secondary, regardless, will be good. But if you believe that Cam Newton will start, was last year more to do with an injury or is Cam Newton now washed and past his prime? And it doesn't matter how much help you got in the passing game. It doesn't matter how well you can run it. Teams are going to stack the box and that's really going to limit their ceiling. So this is a team, if everything comes together and works and you know, say Cam Newton was hurt last year and now is healthy – and you get a flashback to some, you know, prime cam. The upside for this team is huge. So, you know, I don't. I'm. I project them at nine, nine wins. So I don't really see any value in the win total. And I love the Bills, so I'm not going to do this. But I could see the argument for taking them, you know, to win the division or, you know, taking a flyer on them to win the AFC. Uh, so there's a lot of upside of all these parts work. But it's a lot of things that you're we we're saying if about.
3: So you have the Patriots at nine and the Dolphins at like eight, seven. So you're actually projecting a Patriots number
1: two for the division. Like the
3: market is on, is Miami number two, you You're
1: New England number two. But I'm so much higher on the bills that I, that I don't see value. And I think the bills are just so much further ahead than New England. And I should admit that part of my bills projection being higher is that I'm lower on Miami and New England. There's some correlation there since they play so much, but get Gurner.
2: Yeah, so I have Miami number two here, um, despite uh, you know I have the Patriots power rated a little bit higher. But Miami, like I said, they have the easiest strength of schedule, um, so that's my my win total for them is a bit higher. Uh, either way, if you if you favor either the Dolphins or Patriots to finish second, um, I like that Bet MGM has um, a straight forecast where you could take you know Bills and Patriots to finish one and two at plus two forty. I think that might be the way to go because I think the Jets have the fourth slot locked up and then it'll be either the Patriots or Dolphins finishing second with the Bills in first. So that's kind of the way I've been approaching um, this division. But um, yeah, I, the Patriots should be a lot better this year. You know, they, they did spend a lot of money, over $170 million. Uh, but I thought they overpaid for a ton of players. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only did they overpay for Johnny Smith, they also overpaid for Hunter Henry. Um, So the the offense will be better, but it's still going to be fairly mediocre. You know, I I think having Mac Jones there does raise the floor of this offense. If Cam Newton is washed, I I think Mac Jones can be, you know, solid as a rookie. So it's going to at least provide them with a higher floor. And, you know, last year they missed the second most games, if you factor in, you know, the COVID opt-outs. So, you know, they're going to see better injury luck, so to speak, this year. So it's going to be a much better team. But nine and a half just seems a little too high, so I am leaning the under here. Um, although I don't like betting on the under for uh, you know both the Dolphins and Pats, I think you kind of have to pick one, um, and that's why I'm kind of leaning on the uh, Dolphins under right now and passing on the the Patriots total.
3: Yeah, the Patriots
2: are a stay away from me because
3: I'm not betting the over on a team that's going to be quarterbacked by either a guy who averaged 177 pass yards per game last year or a rookie like I, it's just I'm not going to do it but I do think their defense is going to be excellent I do think their O-line will be decent to very good actually so I really my issue is with the skill players and New England Belichick they can probably win without the best group of skill players uh, so you know that's kind of working in their favor but I think this is a mediocre team until proven otherwise I think it's going to be really good on defense but I don't see Cam bouncing back i think cam bouncing back is maybe you know 220 yards per game instead of you know once 180 and maybe he actually throws double digit touchdowns this year so i think Mac jones you're kind of betting on him if you're going over i think he gives them a a higher ceiling at quarterback just because he's a better pure passer i I think the offense and the acquisitions were kind of made to to tear it to him but this is more a team that i think i want to bet week to week just bet feel like there's going to be a lot of unders, Patriot unders. So I'm just going to bet them that way. I think the, the win totals will stay away. Final team in AFC East is the New York Jets. New York Jets. Oh, no. We suck again. Bet MGM has their win total at six and a half. The under is up to minus 160. This was one of my favorite unders earlier in the offseason season but it was not juiced like this. Now it seems like everyone's kind of caught on. So there's probably no value here, but uh, Sean, how are you feeling about this Jets team at at six and a half? It's not a high bar to clear, but uh, they just lost Lawson. I mean, things aren't looking
2: that great. Yeah, they're not looking that great. I'm projecting them closer to six. So when you factor in the juice, this is a pretty good line, I think. So I'm staying away, Uh, but the needle is pointing up on the Jets as an organization, you know, moving on from Adam Gase, to Robert Sala uh, is a huge upgrade, in my opinion. Um, you know, Zach Wilson has the potential to be a really good quarterback. I love that they added Corey Davis and Elijah Moore in the draft um, to give him some weapons to work with. But, you know, he was a little bit of a late bloomer in college, so I think his rookie season will be up and down. Um, but, you know, overall, I-, I love the direction this franchise is going. You know, the the Jets' defensive front was loaded um, until, unfortunately, Carl Lawson had that season-ending season ending injury and I think that's going to really hurt the defense um you know they're really weak at corner so you know Saul is going to play you know a lot of zone heavy cover three defense to kind of take the pressure off them but you do need a good pass rush but you know with Carl Lawson on the shelf now I think this team's going to really struggle if, if anybody can figure out maybe it's Robert Sala um but I, I'm staying away from this win total I think it's it's correctly priced and like I said they're they're probably a lock to finish last in this division so I've been kind of attacking the uh uh, the straight forecast of Bills, uh, Dolphins, Pats, and Jets, I think it's plus 250. I think it's going to be a pretty straightforward um, division in that, in that regard. Yeah, I I, agree. I think it's going to be a rough year for the Jets. I actually pro- project them at
1: 5-3. The good Woo! the good that they have, <laughs> they have a, a bye week six. This is how hard it is for me to say good things about them. Uh, they have nine home games, and one of their road games is in London. I do agree that this is headed in the right direction, getting gays out there getting Salah in but there are massive not only do you have a rookie quarterback there are massive scheme changes i mean you're going to have Salah come in with a four three wide nine aggressive defense and they you need great defensive ends to get pressure who who's who started without lawson's out 33 year old vinnie curry is going to start at defensive end and be required to get pressure i mean cj mosley is coming back to play the mic he hasn't played in two years I mean who knows what you're getting from there and they have the worst corners in the NFL so you know you're not getting pressure and you don't have corners it's just a recipe for disaster the offensive line should be a little better still not going to be good it's not great for a rookie quarterback scheme change on the offensive side as well so I think that they're headed in the right direction but I think it's going to be a long year for the Jets.
3: You know, what could actually decide their win total is the last two weeks of the season. They play the bucks and then at Buffalo. So if by, ch- if those teams just oh. kind of cruise and they're re- they can be resting guys. Maybe the Jets get there, but if the Jets are like, let's say two wins away or something coming down, even one win away coming down that stretch, and Buffalo and and Tampa are playing for real. I mean, that's it's going to be tough either way. So not a not one that I recommend. I I love the under earlier in the offseason. It's juiced a little high, but if I had to go, I'd still go uh, under here. There's just so much new when you talk about a new quarterback, uh, new you know new pieces uh, to throw to, and new defense that got weakened. I mean, there's just so much. These teams usually take. Time to gel, even if it is going in the right direction. Uh, I love Zach Wilson. I think he's a talented guy, but this there's just too much. And and let's face it, every change from Adam Gase is by default an upgrade. So we can't even fully. I mean, we could we would be saying this about pretty much any coach the Jets could have hired. Like it doesn't even matter. Like Sala, yeah, he was good in San Francisco. Hopefully, he'll be good here. But bottom line is, this team Adam Gase set them back. And uh, they're gonna, it's going to take some time to climb out. So uh, I'd still feel more confident about betting them under, even at the juice, than a team like Miami or a team like New England.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, Just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, So when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
3: Let's go to the AFC North where I'm going to start with the Browns. Cleveland Browns.
1: Cleveland Rocks! Cleveland Rocks! Cleveland Rocks! Cleveland Rocks! Cleveland rocks.
3: Their win total is 10.5, uh, evenly juiced on both sides. But, Stuck, what do you think of the Browns? Uh, are you buying in to the improved defense and Odell Beckham coming back and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Browns are a big regression, Kennedy. Uh, I loved, you know, what they're doing, kind of like the Jets. You know, I think it's the right – it was the right coach in Stefanski and they actually made the right hires. It's, uh, and we saw that last year. It's an organization that was down in the dumps that's now on the upward trajectory. But this is a team that got pretty lucky last year to go 11-5. and five. They were outscored by 11 on the season. I think from a DVOA perspective, they were the second worst 11-5 and five team uh, since 1985. So, I mean, their Pythagorean wins, I think, were 7-7, seven, 7-8. Seven, seven, so this is a team that definitely got fortunate. I, I like some of the additions they made on defense. It's still a defense that I think is going to struggle. They're going to need a lot to happen on the defensive side of the ball. For you know, can Marvin, the guy like Marvin Wilson, step up on the defensive line? You know, can you have Delpit and Greedy Williams? You know, these LSU guys who have been hurt, can they step up? Because you're going to need either you know Newsom, their first round draft pick, or Greedy at, at one of the cornerback spots, which is which is a weak area. So I think defense is going to struggle. The offense is going to put up points. They they really put Baker Mayfield in opportunities to succeed. They move him out of the pocket. They get him moving. You could see how much more comfortable he is in that scheme. It's a really well-trained staff, and the offensive line is excellent. They have great backs. So they're going to score, but they're going to also give up points. I think they were a bit fortunate last year. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just the hype on the Browns I think is a little too much, Uh, and this win total I think is inflated. I'm closer to 10, and I could see how you could – argue that it should be even a little lower. So I would lean under easy schedule and they do have nine home games, but,
2: uh, it's probably a stay away for me, but I think they're a bit overinflated here.
3: What do you think about the Browns?
2: Yeah. Similar to Stucky where, uh, I mean, I don't really have many bad things to say at all about them, which is tough to take the under when you say that, but I think there is a little bit of value on the under here. Um, Stucky mentioned it, but they managed to win 11 games last year, despite uh, minus eleven point differential, their Pythag wins was seven point seven. You're correct, Stucky. I like I said, I like looking at the the game time leading, trailing, um, and tied. And when you look at that, their expected wins was closer to ten. So maybe they weren't as lucky as we think. I love the moves they made on defense. I think this is one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. Um, and last year they benefited from having the second easiest schedule. I think that that tailors into the the. The scheme that Kevin Stefanski wanted, more run-heavy scheme, limit the turnovers from Baker. But now that the schedule is closer to league average, I have it as um, ranked as 19th. Um, You know, it might be a little bit tougher sledding this year. Um, So all those things considered, uh, I'm leaning towards the under here, despite just, you know, I do think this roster is complete, and I don't really have anything bad to say about them. But the numbers don't lie. And when I I simulate the season uh, 10,000 times, I'm showing some slight value on the under here.
3: Yeah. What, you know, what happened to Cleveland last year, they played the NFC East <laughs> and didn't they, didn't they roll over all four of those teams, if I'm not mistaken, I think they went four and O against the NFC East. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you're uh,
1: right. sure. So in, in, in fairness to Browns fans though, what, what I will say is, I mean, they did have some turnover luck. Their special teams are awful by the way, which could cost them some games, but last year, some of the numbers are really skewed by three games. They got absolutely boat raced by Baltimore in the opener They got trucked by Pittsburgh and then they lost to the jets when they had like no players available (laughs) because of COVID. So that's one of the things you have to look at when, you know, how unique last year was, they had a game where they had no receivers when they played the jets and lost to the jets. So yeah, maybe they weren't as fortunate as some of the numbers say, I I do, I do want to see how this defense works out. You know, they're, it's basically going to be a blown up defense. They could have what seven new starters potentially, the linebackers, uh, I still have questions for. I'm not sure Tack McKinley and, and Clowney are, are the answer. Um, so I do have some questions about the defense but uh, and the special teams. But overall, this is a well-coached team. Headed in the right direction. Should carry over a lot of momentum from last year. Really looking forward to their Week 1 matchup against uh, Kansas City.
3: I actually would lean over on the Browns because I think oh. that the defense is – is going to be improved enough. I mean, it was just awful last season. They, they had no safeties. The, the secondary was just completely just messed up with all the injuries and everything. And it was just ravaged. But when you look at the offense, it's hard to see, it's hard to find a, a real hole in the offense. I mean, you got the O-line of Wills, Batonio, Treader, uh, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. That's is pretty much as good as it gets on the O-line. And, if Baker Mayfield, we talk about this all the time, Stucky. I feel like on a weekly basis, it's like if Baker Mayfield is protected and he's comfortable and he's not under pressure, the Browns are going to be good. That's what we started to see happen last year. And this that was even a, a large chunk without Odell Beckham. Don't expect him to miss you know, nine games again this year. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones coming on. You, you got the tight end. You got the two running backs. So they don't need the defense to be – even as good as its ceiling, I think given who they added, they just needed to be a tiny bit better than last year. So I think this Browns team is actually gonna gonna be very very good.
1: So I, you know, Beckham is... Beckham gives them that deep threat to open up yep. the offense even more, which they need. if you want to go down narrative street for something if you want to nitpick for the offense. It's uh, does Beckham start screaming and cause you know. just a mess on the offense because he's not getting the ball enough and then everything falls apart but I think if you think that their offense is gonna be better with him out there you're crazy Uh, I think he's gonna really open up open up the field and he's gonna provide a lot more explosiveness in that offense
3: and he's getting the ball I mean it's hard for him not to get the ball because you still have you're still playing a lot with you know it's a running back focused offense it's a tight end focused offense people's Jones and Higgins or whoever they put out there you know is not really a high target guy it's just really Beckham and Landry and those guys are friends, so I don't, I, I don't think you're actually going to see much from Beckham. I think he actually appreciates being on this team and and being on a team that's not the Giants. So uh, I'm not expecting it. It's it's Odo Beckham, so it could happen. It's like Antonio Brown. You never know, you never know. But uh, I like this Browns team. I just it's just hard for me to really find something to nitpick beyond what they did last year. But that was last year. You know, they could have 7.7 Pythagorean wins, but that was last year. They the team is is a little different this year. So like the Browns. Uh, let's talk about your Ravens, Stuck. Baltimore Ravens. It's Baltimore,
1: gentlemen. The gods will not save you.
3: Sean, I'll actually go to you first. I'll uh, give Stuck, let Stuck uh, kind of wrap it up. Uh, Ravens at 11 and a half. The under is juiced to minus 145. Uh, some injuries in, in, in camp, I know, on the offense. Things coming together a little slow. What do you think of the Ravens at 11 and a half this year?
2: Um, I, that line sounds about right. If anything, I'd maybe lean towards the under, but I, I don't really want to bet against this team because, you know, this defense is loaded up front. It's low in the secondary. I think um, they could be scary good if Patrick Queen takes a year two leap. Um, and then I think the offense is going to bounce back in a big way this year. I think Lamar is going to bounce back having, you know, Rashad Bateman, hopefully by week one and Sammy Watkins should make, you know, Marquise Brown a really good number two wide receiver. Um, I think this offense has a ton of potential. My only concern is the tougher schedule. They had the third easiest schedule last year. This year it's 11th toughest. Um, We know Lamar Jackson plays a lot better um, with a a leading game script. So, you know, if they they encounter a couple more trailing game scripts, uh, that could hurt them this year. So that's why, if anything, I lead towards the under. But, you know, this team played very good last year. Um, When I look at their um, game time leading trailing and tied metric that i love referencing they they finished closer to a 13 win team last year as opposed to 11 games so if anything they got unlucky by only winning 11 games last year so this is one of those teams where I, I might be showing value on the under but i definitely don't want to bet it because i think this is one of the most complete teams in the nfl
1: yeah i'm at 11-1 so i don't see any value in the win total here i mean last year look i mean with lamar jackson He's won an MVP. The Ravens are going to get to the playoffs. They're going to be in the mix and we'll see if there's one game randomness in this, the NFL, that's what happens to the playoffs. That's what makes the playoffs so great. If that one game randomness happens this year uh, in the first game, Lamar might not be resigned. If they win a super bowl, he will get, you know, $7 billion. That's the way uh, the NFL works. We saw that with Joe Flacco. I mean, they ended up fighting the Ravens for a couple of years. But Lamar Jackson has to get a little better on some of the throws to take his game to the next level. I think adding some of the pieces they did will help. But still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And that was last year. Some of the offensive woes at times were not on him. There were drops at times. He obviously didn't have the most talented receiver. And the biggest problem, I think, was the offensive line. I mean, this is a team that went. They led the NFL in third down pressure rate two years ago. Last year, they were bottom six or seven. Their offensive line just fell apart. You had Ronnie Stanley get hurt. They had a center who forgot how to snap the ball. Oh yeah. I mean, Matt Skura. I remember that. <laughs> so uh, the, the offensive line I think is going to be much better this year. Um, and that's going to go. I mean, look, and, and the Ravens are just a great organization. One, two, two things to mention. Any other special teams are going to be great. Um, I have to mention that Justin Tucker. I have to get my yes. Justin Tucker shout out in. Um, one thing, well, a couple of things that I'll mention. I do still worry about the lack of natural edge rush. Now they can they blitz as much as anyone in the NFL, and that's how they generate pressure. But there's this guy in the AFC that they can't beat that just eats up the blitz. Name, some starts with a P or something. <laughs> so that's 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 my worry. If they run into the Chiefs again, I, they just can't. That's how that's their whole defensive philosophy: blitz, right? And they have great corners they can cover in the back end. If Tavon Young is healthy, I, I don't know if, if he – is just a figment of my imagination at this point. But if he's healthy, he could play in the slot. This is one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL four decades ago or whenever the last time he played. All reports are rosy right now. But that means you can have Marlon Humphrey. I think, top two or three corners in the NFL. He could play on the outside where he's much better. I mean, he could play anywhere, one of the most versatile corners in the NFL. But he's just a little – long and he's not perfect for this slot if you get him on the outside Peter's on the other side with Tavon Young in the slot I mean and then you have Queen and you know guys like Harrison take that next step in year two the defense will be top two or three again could be the best in the NFL offensive line is better this team will be right in the mix probably win you know anywhere from 10 to 12 games based on a couple of coin flips and injury luck I make it 11-1 No play for me, but they'll be there in the end.
3: Yeah, it's a team that, I mean, the defense is great. They're getting Stanley back. I still think the biggest concern is, like you said, that the edge rush at times and just, I think the offense with, I don't really think Sammy Watkins is going to be that big of a help. I know he looks great in camp, but I am worried that, you know, Marquise Brown missed a bunch of time and, Bateman is missing time. So, and Nick Boyle is, uh, is missing time. So I think that offense is still going to be a little sluggish in the past game. I think they're still going to have to win ugly, which they will because their defense is so good, but yeah, it's, there's kind of a too much of a scenario where they win 10 or 11 instead of the 12 that you need to cover the over. So I, I would lean under, I think it's a relatively tough division with, with Cleveland improving. I think Pittsburgh will still be a tough team, uh, to play, and they're the third best team I think in the division this year. So, and the schedule's just tough. So, yeah, I, it's not an over bet for me. A lot of respect for them. They'll be there, but uh, not just I think there's a, a certain range of outcomes within that you know double digit expectation uh, that uh, I can't get behind an over. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Here we go. Pittsburgh Steelers. Here we go.
2: Steelers. Here we go.
1: Pittsburgh's
3: gone to Super Bowl. Here Pittsburgh is at bed MGM, an eight and a half win team. So that means they're projected to go 500. The under is juiced to minus minus one sixty, though. So that really means they're closer to an eight win team uh, stuck. How do you feel about the, the Steelers? I know last year we were both on that. They were just, they were being overrated for most of the year. Uh, you still feel that way or has the number come down?
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this team is in trouble. And look, last year we, you were talking about how the Ravens were even. Kerner, you were saying they might have been a little unlucky. Well, they almost won, they played the Steelers with like their backups and in, in Pittsburgh and almost won. They were just crushed by COVID. That was another game, another game that the Steelers just pulled out of their ass. I mean, who the most fraudulent eleven zero start I've ever seen. in um, <laughs> my life. And they, had the, and they had the second easiest schedule last year. Per my numbers, they had the second toughest schedule this year. They went seven and two in one score games. They recovered 14 of 19 fumbles on offense. They had no rushing attack. The offensive line is just, it's a disaster right now. And you have a quarterback who's 56 years old, just doesn't really have his fastball anymore. And people don't think of Roethlisberger as, you know, this mobile guy. But as he's older, he used to just extend plays as well as any quarterback. People will be dragging him. I mean, he just can't do that anymore. He's getting rid of the ball so quick. The offensive line is a mess. The rushing is mess. The defense is going to be good. Look, they're going to be number one in adjusted sack rate. They're going to get. A, they're going to lead the NFL in sacks. They're going to generate a ton of pressure. But I'm worried about their corner situation. It's a little dicey. They lost two very high contributing corners. This, who's going to play in the slot? So I'm worried about that. The back end of that defense, but it's mainly the offense. Uh, the offensive line is a mess. I mean, Trey Turner is going to be starting at guard. I mean. Kendrick Green uh, or J.C. Hausmeier is going to be starting at, at center because uh, Pouncey's gone. Villain of Wade is gone. DeCastro is gone. The offensive line is also just – they're not the same since Munchak left. And this is a team that always had an elite offensive line. And now you have a, you know, a 39-year-old quarterback that doesn't have that anymore. They're in trouble. The salary cap is really catching up to them. I don't know. You know maybe Clem is a, a brilliant mastermind that can fix this offensive line, but uh, I don't see it. Hayden he's 32. I mean if he has a drop off and then you have what Cam Sutton and Justin Lane or your other two starting quarterback cornerbacks. It's not pretty Um, and the schedule gets much tougher, but the offensive line and and Roethlisberger's last hurrah. I don't think it's going to end well. I make them. I wanted to bet this under. There's just a lot. I don't like I make it like seven nine and people say, oh, Mike Tomlin has never finished with a losing record. What what he would have to do that for this to go under. Well, yeah, number one, this is a 17-game season. And in the past, the Steelers would just get four free wins against the Browns and Bengals. Now, they might mm-hmm. still get two against the Bengals, but they they would just beat those those four free wins right off the bat. So it's a little different with the Browns being a, a better team now uh, and there's 17 games in the season. I don't want to hear about the labor pains, man.
3: Deliver the damn baby.
1: So, uh, and look, the 17th game that they added was Seattle, um, mm-hmm. which great. So um, I'm low on the Steelers this year, but – I just don't make it low enough. The market is, is surprisingly sharp on them. So I, I'm staying away from their win total.
3: Yeah, it's a team. I mean, if you're leaning one way or the other, I think you got to go under because, again, it has that magic recipe, which is everything looks good on paper. Enough looks good. But then you look at that O wine and that's usually the thing that is not priced incorrectly. Sean, what do you think of the Steelers?
2: there's plenty of reasons to be bearish on them. Stucky laid most of them out, but you know, despite being a 12 win team, I had them playing closer to a nine and a half win team last year, thanks in part to that seven and two one score game record. Um, they had the fifth best injury luck. Um, and yeah, they had the second easiest schedule last season. Now they have the second hardest this season. So I think eight and a half looks low. Just looking at this team on paper, they do seem like, uh, you know, a winning football team, but yeah, 8.5 sounds about right, especially the under-juiced up to minus 160. It's a pass for me. Um, the offensive line could be an issue. However, you know, Big Ben did, did get rid of the ball quick last year. 2.3 seconds time to throw was the fastest thing in the NFL, so maybe the offensive line doesn't impact him as much. Um, but it could prevent them from being a more balanced offense with Najee Harris this year if they can't block for him. Um, So they could be pass heavy again this year. And who knows if Big Ben can hold up uh, for another season. So um, I think it's a good line. You know, the the defense and Mike Tallman, I think, give this team a high floor. So uh, if they do finish under, it'll probably be eight wins exactly. Um, So this is a stay away for me. Yeah. The other thing is, though, with that,
1: you know, last year, all all they did is Roethlisberger would sit in shock on snap it, and then throw it and they have good receivers, but it's so hard to move the ball that way. Now they do bring in Matt Canada as offensive coordinator. And I think that they're going to try to do more play action, more motion, which is a good thing. And you have, you had Najee Harris in the backfield, but if you're trying to do that with an offensive line, that could be a complete mess. I, I mean, it could get yeah. really ugly. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the injury potential injury regression, they have penalty regression, they have turnover regression. They were plus eight and plus nine the past two years. Um, so there's a lot of things that could just work against Pittsburgh this year. A lot of variables, turnovers, injuries. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm low on them, but not enough value to play in under here. Yeah, they
3: seem to be just kind of conceding the fact that their O-line is going to be bad. You know, first with that pass game, with that quick release from Roethlisberger and the good receivers running the short routes. And then they go out and get Najee Harris, who is kind of a specialist at running behind, you know, getting yards where there's not there and kind of covering for his O-line and and getting things after contact. So they're going to try to make this work. I don't know. I don't know how long they hold up, but it's a fascinating team because it's like the classic, you know, good on paper team, except if you just... How do we ignore offensive line? You're like, oh, they got great receivers and a quarterback who's, you know, at least been decent in his career and the defense is good. It's like the running, they have this rookie running back who was drafted highly, but man, that O-line could be very, very bad. So definitely wouldn't go over with them. I'm fascinated though. I think they're the team I'm watching the most in, in this division.
1: Positive regression piece, they stopped dropping balls. Yeah. You, know, they're, they're, you know, a drop here and there just it absolutely kills you. Yeah, Deontay Johnson,
3: Eric Ebron, I remember, were the main culprits of that. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Cincinnati Bengals.
1: The Cincinnati Bengals ended their season the same way that they started it. With a die-hard commitment, the Bengals battled tenaciously.
3: Cincinnati Bengals, six and a half is the win total. It's evenly juiced on both sides. Sean Joe Burrow entering year two. A lot of people thought maybe they should have gone with Panay Sewell on the O line instead of drafting Joe Burrow's college buddy in Jamar Chase. So this tells me they're gonna, they're they're committed to this pass game. They averaged 40 attempts per game with Burrow last year. Uh, What do you think of this Bengals team?
2: Yeah. So the the offensive line should be shaky this year. And this is not the division you want to have a (laughs) shaky O line. I mean, they have to face the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns twice. So imagine if if their offensive line falls apart. That's going to be tough. But, you know, I think having Burrow and that solid trio of wide receivers and Joe Mixon should be good enough to put up points and at least keep them competitive. You know, last year they only won four games, but I have them, you know, estimated closer to a 7.3 win team. Um, And that was with Joe Burrow out the final six games and some courts, you know, they had Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley Combined the, the last six games, and they still played decent. Um, and, you know, they went one and five in one score game. So they, they are due for some positive regression. The Cincinnati Bengals came roaring back. And their defense it is fairly solid. They probably overpaid uh, for Trey Hendrickson. Uh, but they should be pretty solid up front with uh, Sam Hubbard and DJ Reader. Cornerback group is a rebuild um, but, you know, earlier reports out of camp is, you know, Ouzier, Waynes, and Hilton are doing a good job covering this solid um, trio of receivers. So th- there's some optimism there. Um, you know, 6.5 isn't that high of a number that, you know, we have a 17-game schedule this year. So this is probably a pass for me, but if I had to lean one way, it'd probably be the over at the Bengals. I, I think they they are trending in the right direction. The, the only real question mark is the offensive line. So that's that's probably why I'm passing on this. So what do you think
3: of Bengals? Because, like, the O-line, it – you know, we think of it as, yeah, this is going to be a problem area. We remember what happened to Burrow last year. It just seemed like the, the lasting image was him just going down and it finally ended the season. But, I mean, they have Jonah Williams and Riley Reif at, uh, on the outside. You know, that could be a decent tackle duo, and, and Hopkins could be okay at center. The, the guards are still question marks. But, like, is this line going to be their downfall, or can is it passable?
1: I mean, they're line stakes. I mean, right, we're trying to – put lipstick on a pig with Riley Reif. Um But, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Jonah Williams has shown some promise at, at left tackle, but the rest of the offensive line is a mess. And, look, it's just basically Burrow back there. There's no play action. There's no motion in this offense. And he's just – and he's good. He can sling it. But he's getting hit so much. Can he stay healthy for the whole season? Uh, it's a major question. It's, it's just a dumpster fire organization overall. Um, they just – It's been a dumpster fire for – when was the last time you remember the Bengals being good? I mean, Marvin Lewis days. This is a team that just – they don't do anything right from an organizational respect. They never draft right. They never spend when they should um, just a cheap dumpster fire organization. Their linebackers are trash, too. Every um, year,
3: it seems like ah, you say
1: that every year. They're oh, like the team no, that they're, they're going to give up
3: running back receptions and tight end catches and all that stuff. I mean, how many
1: points are they going to give up to the Ravens again this year? That's that'll that'll get ugly. So I, you know, I know I think Hendrickson. He's the cl- Hendrickson's the classic Bengals buy. Now they got. I mean, if Lawson didn't go, maybe he doesn't get hurt because he would have been a different. I don't know. We, we, he obviously wouldn't, but maybe he gets hurt in Cincy. But they that was the classic Bengals buy. They buy a guy who just got. He was just the benefit of a bunch of sacks on a team that had a million great defense bets on an elite defense. And I don't love their corners. I know there's been some good reports, but we'll see if they hold up. have you know, good safeties. Their special teams have been pretty good. And it's, Bur- Burrow can stay healthy. They're going to score, and they're going to be in games. They're going to give up points. I make this, like, right on the win total. Their schedule gets harder this year. They are due for some positive regression. They get nine home games. I don't even know if people still go to Bengals games. Does that even matter? So, uh, but this is a, a pure pass for me. It's tough with Barrow in that division with that offensive line against the Ravens team that just blitzes everybody and can cover on the outside A Steelers team. That's one of the best pressure teams in the NFL. You got to deal with miles Garrett and it's just, it's tough. It's a, so if hopefully for our viewing pleasure, you can stay healthy for 17 games, but it, it's going to be tough. And, Maybe they'll invest in, I mean, he has a lot of talent and he's one of the best young receiving cores, uh, in the NFL. So they will be fun to watch if he can stay upright and stay healthy, but it's a pass for me. I'm at like six, three tougher schedule this year.
3: Yeah. And you know, I like the quarterback. I like the skill positions, kind of like the Steelers, I guess. Well, not with the quarterback, but, uh, with, I have to look at the coach too, because you mentioned the organization and I hadn't, I guess, thought of them in that light as like just a. Garbage, dumpster fire organization. That's like those are strong words, but I do kind of struggle to find anything to hang my hat on with Zach Taylor. I mean, I know he got kind of dealt a rough hand with some of the quarterback injuries, and he's been starting some some guys that uh, are are, are true backups or just not really top, you know, thirty-two NFL starters over his tenure. But if you're betting on the Bengals to get seven wins. That's more than Zach Taylor has in 32 games as a head coach. He's 625 and one. So like, I, I can't bring myself to do that, especially in a division where, you know, the third best team is the Steelers who may still find some way to win nine games and have one of the best defenses in a week. So uh, yeah, the Bengals would be a, a under for me, not even just because of the offensive line, uh, but just, it's just kind of a mix of there's the, the schedule, the the O-line, And the fact that we don't really have anything with Zach Taylor to make us confident that he can go and beat Tomlin and 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 Harbaugh and now Stefanski, it just that division makes it so tough on Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, they got they better go to if you want to bet the zero win total, they better go on the road, which is never easy NFL, and beat the Lions and beat the Jets because if you don't win those games, Week Seven at Baltimore, then Browns. At Raiders, Steelers, Chargers, 49ers, at Denver, Baltimore, Chiefs, at Browns. Like, you don't, if they don't get some early wins, you know, Jacksonville at home, the Vikings at home is winnable to start the year. It's that the back half of the schedule is brutal. All right, so
3: uh, before we get out of here on the Action Network podcast sponsored by BetMGM, uh, just a quick recap. Since we went through so many teams and your strongest over lean and your strongest under lean, Sean, I'll start with you.
2: Uh, so my favorite uh, over here is the Buffalo Bills over 11 and a half wins at plus 120. I love the continuity of this year. I don't think we're going to see much regression at all from Josh Allen. So love the over there. Um, and then my favorite under is probably the Dolphins. Under nine and a half wins at plus one fifteen, um, you know I, I don't really think that Tua is going to have a big year two leap that people think. Um, they added a ton of weapons, um, but you you know the the, ver- the jury is still out on Tua, so um, I'm not willing to bet the over here. Doc, what about you?
1: Yeah, I'll say my favorite it, instead of an over, I'm going to go Bills' future, whether that's Super Bowl or AFC. I like the upside, and there's. A lot of uncertainty in the division, you know, if everything works out with two, if everything works out, you know, if things work out with Zach Wilson, if everything works out with the Patriots, or that's six of their games. You know, that could swing a game or two. So I prefer the upside of this team. I love their coaching staff. I think Josh Allen is going to continue to progress. I think the defense is going to improve everything in the second half of last year into your offensive line improvement, that defensive improvement. You get your nose tackled back. Everyone kind of flows through natural positions. I think that carries over to this year. I agree with Kerner on the Dolphins under. I think this team is a year away with their offensive line with Tua. You could argue this is basically year one for him coming off of an injury. You know, he had also, you know, COVID year. He's splitting time with Fitzpatrick. Dolphins got very fortunate last year in the turnover department. I think there's some regression coming there. I like some of the weapons they added. They're a well-coached team, but I have this closer to, you know, 8-6, 8-7. So I think Dolphins, year away, by the upside of the Bills.
3: For me, I'm going with the Browns on the over. I just struggle to find a big hole in their roster and their offensive line – uh, one through five, I think, is one of the best in the league. And that's all Baker Mayfield needs to, to have success. And you're getting some some guys back from injury like Odell Beckham. So I think the the future is looking real bright for Cleveland this year, especially with Pittsburgh uh, on the decline. And my favorite under is the Cincinnati Bengals under six and a half. When you combine the potentially shaky O-line, getting your franchise quarterback hit with uh, a coach that really ha- you have nothing to hang your hat on with a six and 25 Record, and then you're playing three tough teams within a division with three tough defenses. I just think it's going to be too much to overcome for the Cincinnati Bengals team. So, like them under six and a half. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. As a reminder, we will have. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this season after Labor Day, featuring Stucky and I, of course, on our flagship six-pack episode, plus our guys Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. You can find Sean Kerner on Twitter at the underscore Oddsmaker. You can find Stucky at Stucky2, and you can find me at Chris Raybon. You can also find us at those same handles in the Action Network app, the award-winning Action Network app, I might add. Next time, we'll be back with the AFC South and the AFC West. Until then, let's get this money.